He is risen. He is risen indeed. And I hope you've already celebrated the Savior today in your own heart, in your own mind. And uh, now we can continue to celebrate him together. Um, I am sure that all of us at some point has seen those uh, really super annoying infomercial, those product infomercials, you know, where the, the hyper uh, loud spokesperson is there and they're selling their product, right? Uh, probably the most famous one is uh, this guy right here, right? You've all seen him. He's the OxyClean guy. Um, and his, his big catchphrase, once he, he talked about the initial benefits of OxyClean or whatever else he was selling, he would always talk about the, the, the amazing benefit. And he'd say, this is why you need it. And he'd get you ready to dial the phone and order. And then he'd say, but wait, there's more. And he would say that with every benefit, like he would keep going. He would say, there's this benefit, and this is why you, you just can't live without this thing, and you, you must have this in your life. And then he would say, but wait, there's more. And he would just keep on going, and the benefits would just stack on top of one another. And that's kind of how it is with the relationship of the resurrection of Christ and the crucifixion of Christ. As amazing and Necessary as the cross is, the empty tomb is the, but wait, there's more announcement. That's what the resurrection is. It's, but wait, there's more. As good as the cross is, as good as Good Friday was, but wait, there's more. That doesn't mean we should ever skip over the cross. We can't do that. Can't do that. Uh, the truth in the song that we just heard a few moments ago is absolutely powerful and, and totally uh, important for us to understand and to own and to remember and to focus on. I love that song, Victory, My Victory, especially the line that says, A cross meant to kill is my victory. A cross meant to kill is my victory. But victory from what? I mean, we say that. We sing that, but what, what is the victory? What did Christ's cross give us victory from? Well, to put it simply, victory over sin and its crushing power. Victory over the finality and the darkness of death, turning it, turning death, turning the finality of death, turning the darkness of death into the beautiful doorway that ushers those who live in Christ into this perfect, real, everlasting life. He takes death and he turns it around. It's kind of like what Aslan says in the Chronicles of Narnia, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Anybody read that, know that, seen the movie? Probably everybody in here at some point. My favorite part in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe is when uh, Lucy and Susan have just, they've seen Aslan brutally killed by the witch and all her forces, and they're, they're despairing. And they go and they look at this lifeless body, and they see these mice come, and they crawl all over Aslan, and they try to shoo them away. And the, the mice are chewing at the ropes that are binding Aslan to the stone table. And they, they see that there's nothing they can do, so they turn to leave, and all of a sudden they hear this crack. And they turn around, and Aslan's gone. Aslan's not there anymore. And they think, what's happened? Has, has the witch come back? Has, has some magic happened? And they've just, it's taken him away? 
And they're looking and they're confused and they're crying. And then all of a sudden they hear the familiar voice of Aslan, children. And they turn around and there he is, whole and full of life. Very similar to what happened at the tomb with, with Mary. And when they look at Aslan and they say, what, how did this happen? You were dead. We, we saw you killed. And he says, yes, the witch knew that by a, a traitor, uh, when there was a traitor, the life of that traitor belonged to her. But if an innocent victim offered themselves in that traitor's stead, the stone table would crack. And he says this, and death itself would begin to work backward. My friends, that is Easter. That's resurrection. And that's what Jesus used the cross to do. By him going to the cross, he took death and he, he took its darkness and he took its finality and he turned it on its head. And now he uses death as the very doorway for those in him to step into unending life. That's just some of what the victory of the cross is all about. That's some of what we have through the cross. The biggest hurdle to overcome that no one could, no matter how people tried, all through the centuries, through thousands of years, through effort, through sacrifice, through trying to be holy, through trying to keep the law, the biggest hurdle that no one could ever overcome is the hurdle of sin. It's the deepest, most universal issue that humanity has had to deal with from the very beginning in the garden. Romans 5.12 tells us this, Sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin. In this way, death spread to all people, because all sinned. See, that's our predicament. That's what is universally true of every human being to ever be born. Everyone born is born into that situation. Sin, rebellion, selfishness, breaking God's law in every way and in every measure. Falling short of His holiness, His righteous standard, His perfection. That's what Romans 3.23 says. For all have sinned and fallen short, come up short against the glorious standard of God. Romans 6.23 tells us this, For the wages of sin, which we just heard that is, is what we all have, we're all, we're all guilty of sin, we're all choosing sin, we're all living in sin, we're all acting sinfully. The wages of sin, the penalty of sin, which is on all of us, is death. That's the penalty. That's the sentence. And that's what all of us, all of us face on our own, by ourselves, naturally speaking, just by being human. We inherited the sinful nature from our first parents, Adam and Eve. Their sin became our sin by virtue of nature, but also by choice. Because we all, each and every one of us, willfully willfully choose sin. We don't even need to have it through our nature. We have that, that's true, but 
I mean, even if that weren't the case, we would still choose sin. We would still be Adam and Eve. It's what's true of every one of us. But, but, the wages of sin is death. But, the gift of God is eternal life. See that contrast? The wages of sin is death, eternal death, eternal separation from God. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus our Lord. A wage is something that you earn, right? You get, you get a wage from your job that you work at, and you hope that the wage matches the work. And it's, I mean, that's fair. You would expect fair payment for, for fair work, right? Well, all of us, our whole lives, from birth on, we, uh, we work the job of sin. And our fair wage for that is what we just heard here, death. Contrasting what we work for, what we earn, there's the gift of God. A gift is not something you earn. A gift is not something you work for. A gift is something that is free to the one getting it, but it costs the giver something to give it, right? That's how gifts work. If you get a gift, if you receive a gift, it's free to you, but it wasn't free to the person that gave you that gift, most likely. They, they paid for it. At the cross, at the cross, Jesus received the full weight, the full weight of the Father's judgment on sin in our place. This required the father to completely forsake his son, to completely turn away from him, his only son, for the first time ever in eternity, to look away, to forsake him. And that was the cup that Jesus struggled against in the Garden of Gethsemane before his arrest, when he sweat drops of blood and he said, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. This is the cup he was referencing, the cup of judgment, the cup of the Father's wrath on sin that was going to fall on his son, that his son would drink. And he struggled against it. And he said, if there's any way to avoid this, it wasn't the, the nails of the cross that Jesus was looking at and, and struggling so aggressively against. It wasn't, it wasn't hanging there. It wasn't the beatings and the lashings prior to the cross that Jesus was thinking about that forced him down to his knees, sweating drops of blood. That wasn't what was on his mind. That wasn't what was breaking his heart. What was breaking his heart was knowing full well that when he went to the cross and he bore our sin and he received the cup of wrath for that sin, that he would be totally separated from his Father for the first time in all of eternity. And he did it for us. Because even though he said, if there's, if there's a way to avoid this, Father, even though he said that, he still willingly received it. So what that means for all of us is that the gift of eternal life, yeah, it's free to us, but it's only free to us because the high cost was paid by Jesus. The only reason the eternal life that we have is free is because it cost him everything. Romans 4.25 
tells us this. He, speaking of Jesus, he was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. See, God is perfectly just. We have to understand that. We have to remember that. God is perfectly just. So what that means is he can't just ignore sin. He can't ignore it. He can't sweep it under the rug. He has to deal with it. He has to judge it. To be God, he must do that. Because he has to be perfectly just. But he is also perfectly merciful. As we just saw. He's also perfectly merciful. He's perfectly gracious. And at the cross, at the cross of Christ, we see God's perfect justice and his perfect mercy meeting and colliding in Jesus. As Jesus is stretched out on the cross, picture him there, see him there in your mind, hanging on the cross there for your sin. But know that at the cross, you have justice and mercy coming together and meeting perfectly in Jesus. And that Friday, Good Friday, which we just observed, that Friday became both the worst and the best day of all time because of that. Unimaginable horror and agony for Jesus as he became sin for us. But because of that, unending hope, unending peace for all who receive him as Savior and Lord. What made all that true, what, what made that Friday so incredibly good was the fact that the story didn't end there. Amen? The story didn't end there. Friday wasn't the finale. The power of Christ's cross was proven by the reality of Christ's resurrection. The power of the cross was proven by the reality of the resurrection. See, the resurrection of Christ, it was the declaration that payment for our redemption at the cross had been fully recognized and fully received. It showed that Christ's sacrifice was truly all-sufficient. There was no need for any other sacrifice ever again going forward. His sacrifice on the cross was all-sufficient. It showed that He really is an all-sufficient Savior. Nothing else is needed. No one else can be the Savior that Jesus is. And the resurrection of Christ was declaration of all that. Payment recognized. Payment received. Payment in full. Done. Done. You know, we, uh, we had a great Easter egg hunt activity. I told you that just a few moments ago. Lots of kids going everywhere, finding all kinds of candy. We had in, uh, along with all the other thousands of eggs, and they were thousands of eggs, trust me, um, hidden amongst all of those, we had four, I think it was four, maybe three, I don't remember the exact number, but we had golden eggs. How many was it, Jane? Three? Okay. So we had golden eggs, you know, and, and they were hidden among all the rest, so you had to really look for it. And if you found the golden egg, you had a special, more significant prize waiting for you. 
Okay, uh, and so so that was what kind of motivated everybody to look for that golden egg. And what would Easter be without giving you the chance to find something as well? So, hidden amongst you, it's not eggs, but um, behind the seat, in other words, the seat that you're facing, if you look at that, you should see hymnals down below, right? Um, so, in some hymnals, there's three, three hymnals, okay? There is a prize hidden there. So everybody look in the hymnal, take the hymnals out. It'll be right in the, I made it easy for you. It'll be right in the beginning, right in the beginning of the hymnal, okay? Everybody look, everybody look. You don't want to miss out, okay? Yep, aha, we've got one, got one. All right, there's two more. All right, there's the second one. And the third one, yay, all right. All right, so um, go ahead and stand up. Yeah, go ahead and you can applause. Why not? Why not? All right, stand up if you got a gift card, okay? Stand up. All right, so let's see. Is it Kelly? You got it? Did you hand, your, did you hand yours to her? Okay, I thought you found it and you were like a good friend. You're like, here. All right, so what's your gift card, Kelly? A Kroger gift card. Okay, everybody likes Kroger gift card. Susan, did you get one? What, what was yours? Starbucks? Yeah, Starbucks is good. And over here, what, what was your gift card? What was it? Dunkin' Donuts. All right. Now, we know how gift cards work, right? We understand the way gift cards work. For you to have that gift card and to take it and use it, someone had to pay for that gift card, right? That's, that's true, right? Um, there had to be a, a balance of money on that card for you to be able to use it. And it cost you nothing. It cost someone that you know put that balance on that card that gave you that gift card. They paid for it. And if they didn't do that, as nice as that card might look, you know, Starbucks has the coolest gift cards. They have all these designs on them. As nice as those gift cards may look, though, without the money behind it, it's useless. Right? It's just a piece of plastic. Isn't it? Well, there's another thing that today is. It's not just Easter. That's the most important part. But today is also the 1st of April. So, bit of advice on those gift cards that you received. You might want to think about going and using that at that Place, at Kroger, at Starbucks, at Dunkin' Donuts, because those gift cards have already been used. There's just no money behind it to give it weight. It's, it's just a piece of plastic. What you need, what you need is a gift card to take its place. I promise that doesn't, you know, that has a balance, okay? You can use it. <laughs> Um, you need something that actually has some weight to it, okay? You're welcome. And over here to Kelly. I think she'd like this one better anyway. I mean, Starbucks compared to Kroger. I mean, you know. Who needs bread and milk when you can get caramel macchiatos, right? Um, So, obviously you see the connection. What... What gave the cross truly its, its ultimate power, what made the cross so powerful, what made Good Friday so good, is the power of the empty tomb. Amen. 
Because if there had been no resurrection, if there had been no empty tomb, then the cross, as significant as it still would have been, it wouldn't have been enough. And ultimately, it would have been just another death. With that in mind, I want to turn your attention to what the Apostle Paul has to say in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 17 through 18, with that same concept in mind that we just saw, we just participated in together. He says this, If Christ has not been raised, which was the allegation then as it is now, you know, there's always skeptics, there's always cynics, there's always people who doubt. So he says, okay, all right, let's, let's play devil's advocate here for a second. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If the reason that's true is what he says next. If only for this life we have hope in Christ. If, if only in life we have hope in Christ. If it goes no farther than that. If there's not hope in death also. We are of all people most to be pitied. See, as, as amazing as the cross is, without the empty tomb, his death, Christ's death, would ultimately be no more significant than the death of any other religious leader or martyr. Because what gives death its power and finality is sin. That's what gives death its power. That's what makes death so scary. That's what death makes death so final for so many. It's, it's sin. Sin fuels death's power. And so if Jesus didn't rise from the grave, it would indicate that he too was actually just a sinner. And therefore, he would have been unable to atone for us fully like we have need of. And any who place their hope and their faith in Christ for salvation would actually be the victims of the worst kind of April Fool's joke ever. Far exceeding the little joke I played on you. It'd be the worst ever. It'd be the most cosmic, twisted joke there could be. But wait. There's more. That's that's not the end. That's not the case. That's not what we have to worry about. We don't have to worry about... Did Christ really rise from the dead? Is our, is our faith really futile? Are we still in our sins? Do we only have hope in this life? We don't have to worry about that. But wait, there's more to that argument. There's more to the statement. There's more to what Paul says. He says this triumphantly with joy. I mean, I just hear his voice just saying, but Christ has indeed been raised. He's he's excited about it. He doesn't have to even think about it. There's no question. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, Adam, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man, the God-man, Jesus Christ. For as in Adam all die. It's undisputed. Total fact. For as in Adam all die, 
so in Christ all will be made alive. What that means for us is that the grave didn't conquer Jesus. His resurrection proves that it was conquered by Him. That's good news. The resurrection, the empty tomb, fulfills the prophetic promise given by God to Satan at the very beginning when he successfully tempted Adam and Eve to choose sin. In Genesis 3.15, God said, He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. It was God saying to the serpent, I want you to look down through time with me for a little bit, Satan. And yeah, you, you've, you've just successfully tempted Adam and Eve, the first human beings. They've sinned. Now creation is plunged into sin. And it's going to keep going. But I want you to look down because at some point, at some point, the deliverer, the rescuer, the remedy, he's going to come. And he's going to come to earth. And he's going to provide the rescue from all that you just accomplished. He's going to crush your head, even, and even though you're going to get a little strike out, out at him, you're going to strike him, you're going to bruise him, you're going to, you're going to wound his heel, but he's still going to crush your head. And maybe despite all Satan knew, because Satan... I mean, we need to understand, he's, he's pretty intelligent. He is an angelic being, after all. But maybe despite all Satan knew, maybe he still treated his strike at Jesus with the cross. Maybe he still treated that like a death blow. Maybe, maybe that's how he felt about it. Maybe he thought, all right, I've got him now. I know what was promised to me thousands of years ago, but I think I've got him. I finally got one over. I finally am victorious. Maybe he thought that. Maybe he thought that this bruising of the heel was actually really a death blow. And if that's what Satan thought, it didn't take long for that to be corrected in his mind because that wounded heel came down in almighty power in victory to crush the serpent's head. And he shares, he shares that same victory with all who commit their life to him. If you're in Christ Jesus this morning, if he's your Savior and Lord, his victory is your victory. So you can truly sing like we we heard sung at the beginning, a cross meant to kill is my victory. Because his victory he shares with you and me. If you're not in Christ today and you're you're going through life with despair and with with emptiness in your heart, down to your very soul, and you've tried this thing and you've tried that thing to fulfill all that emptiness, and you've tried to be satisfied in this thing and that person and that, that concept, and nothing's worked, I'm here to tell you today, the answer you're searching for is Jesus, and his victory is available to you. And there's nothing in your life that won't be forever changed and forever made victorious in and through the conquering power of the resurrection of Jesus. But wait, there's more. See, it doesn't just stop with 
with victory over sin as this concept, as this theological truth. It doesn't just stop the resurrection and its power with promising hope through death and and life after death. It's not something that we just have to wait for and look for in the distance. It's not just the sweet by and by that it has power for. The resurrection of Jesus Christ has power and impact here and now in your day-to-day life in real time. Here's what Romans 8 verse 11 says. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead, this is the great part, I love this part, will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. And that's not just talking about life after death. That's part of it. You know, the, the giving life to our mortal bodies, that, that does reference when the mortal body fails. And we'll still have life through the Spirit if we're in Christ. But it's not just that. This is also referencing daily life. Like while you're still breathing, you have supernatural power available to you. And here's why that's such good news. For me and for you. I know we're on the same page here. Because we're all in the same boat. And that's that... Life is hard, right? I mean, the the struggle of life is real. I mean, we struggle with worry and doubt and fear. We struggle with finances and we struggle with health and we struggle with the workplace stress and we struggle with stress in our relationships and we struggle with being the husband or the wife we need to be and we struggle with being the parents that we need to be. And then the internal, just individual struggle. We struggle with our own thought life, right? We struggle with remaining pure and righteous and holy. We struggle with our sin and our sin nature, which we still have, even though we've been made new in Christ. We we are still clothed with this skin, which is sown, made, born into sin. And so we still struggle with sin, even though we don't want to. We're like Paul in Romans 7 where he says, I don't understand the good I want to do, I don't do. And the very thing I hate, the sin I don't want to do, I find myself doing. We're there. That's life. The struggle is real. And we we all know what it's like to come up against all of that and to, to find ourselves wanting, to find ourselves lacking power, to find ourselves lacking in strength to keep going forward. We know what it is to lack hope and and to lack trust at all times. We know what it is to struggle with discouragement and deep despair and depression and anxiety. We understand all of that. That's why this statement and this promise is so beautiful and so powerful and so, so necessary to cling to and remember and apply moment by moment that if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead, which happened, which was fact, is living in you through your faith and trust in Jesus, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. And he gives you the strength 
to face tomorrow. He gives you the strength to face all that you're facing today. He gives you the ability to get up after failing for the thousandth time and keep going forward. He gives you the ability to hope and to trust in him and to wait on him. He gives you the ability to love your spouse like you should and your children like you should. He gives you the ability and the courage and the the boldness to witness to that unsaved family member or friend or neighbor that you know you should and that you've just put off or rejected out of fear. And on and on I could go. He gives us constant victory every day. Because the resurrection and the resurrection power is not just some theological concept or far-off future event. It's here and it's now because it's tied to Jesus. It's what he told Martha when Martha said, If you had been here, my brother would have died. And Jesus said, your brother will live again. It'll be okay, Martha. And she said, oh, I know he'll, he'll live again far off in the future at the resurrection, at the event of the resurrection, whenever that is. He said, no, Martha, you don't understand. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes and lives in me will live even though he dies. Do you believe this? And that's the question for all of us. That's the question that is being asked of you right now. Do you believe this? Do you believe this Savior? Do you know him? Do you have him as your Lord and Savior? If so, then what he said to Martha, he is saying to you, I am the resurrection and the life. And if you're in me, you're in resurrection and the life right now. You have resurrection power. You have resurrection life coursing through you right now through me. That's really, really good news. Here's the right response to all of that. To all this amazing truth, to this amazing reality, here's the right response for us in light of all of that. 2 Corinthians 5.15 says this, He, Jesus, died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. See, in light of all that we have through Jesus, in light of the reality of resurrection, in light of the reality of his death on the cross, and all that he has given us, the only fitting response is, I surrender. You've given your life to me, Jesus, and you've given me life abundant and free and forever and and moment by moment. You've given me all those things. And the life you've given me, I now give back to you. I give you every part of me. That's the only fitting response. Not living for me, for myself, for living for him who died and was raised for me. Let's pray. Obviously, I don't know every one of you, and I don't know where you're coming from, where you sit in relation to the Lord Jesus Christ, to his death on the cross for you, to his resurrection. I don't know where you are with all that. And I don't have to know. And I don't have to know how deep your, your past may go, how far that may run. I don't need to know how plentiful your list of sins are. I don't need to know that. Because I have a long list myself. 
And no matter what you may have been or have done, there is nothing greater than the greatest of all sacrifices which our Lord Jesus gave. And his sacrifice is truly all-sufficient. That means it covers everything. That means there is no sin strong enough or big enough to overpower or outweigh his sacrifice. Everything he did for you and for me was enough forever to make us right with God, to forgive us fully and forever from all of our sin. And because he rose from the dead, it didn't stop at the cross. He also offers an all-sufficient resurrection that is guaranteed to give real, abundant, perfect life forever. And it's available to each and every one of you. I just want to give you the opportunity to respond to that gift. It's been paid for. It's already been paid for. Free to you because it cost him everything. And if you've not yet ever come to the place in your life where you have surrendered to this Lord and Savior, to Jesus, that you've heard about today, if you've never received the gift of eternal life that he offers you, if you've never received true resurrection life, then today is your day. You can be raised to life right now, today. Easter can be the start of your real and eternal life. And it's as simple as saying, yes, I believe. I believe. I believe I am a sinner. And I believe the only hope I have for that sin being forgiven and the only hope I have of knowing God as Father and not as judge is through what Jesus did for me on the cross. And I believe he did it for me and I believe it was enough. And I'm going to place my faith and my trust in him and in what he did for me on the cross. And I'm going to have my faith and trust in the fact that there is an empty tomb and that Jesus is alive. And I want him to be the Lord and Savior of my life. I'm going to pray for all of us in a few moments. But I wonder, is there anyone who would say, Pastor, would you pray for me in that way? Would you pray that that I'm able to make that commitment? I want to make that commitment. Would you pray for me that I do that? Is there anyone who would say, that's me? Anyone who would say, yeah, I I want to give my life to Christ today. I haven't done that. I want to know what it is to live real life, forever life in him. Anyone at all? Pray for me, Pastor. I need to be saved. Anyone? Thank you for your honesty. I will pray for you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Okay. I'm going to pray. And... um, Just remember, resurrection power goes far beyond the pages of Scripture. It goes far beyond some theological concept, although that's true. It's available to each and every one of us, moment by moment, at all times. Remember that. Father, thank you for the resurrection. Thank you for the fact that the cross was not the final word. Thank you that it wasn't the end of the story. Thank you that through death we have life. And truly because of the death of your son, death was and is defeated. 
doesn't mean that it's not still something that's hard to face. And it doesn't mean that it doesn't hurt. It means, though, that we don't have to stay there. We don't have to live there. We can go forward through it. And we can see it as this amazing, beautiful thing that ends up being for our good, all because of what Jesus did with it. Thank you for the empty tomb and that because of his victory over the grave and because of the fact that he is alive, we know that we have victory over the grave and we will be alive forever, all in and through your son. Father, for this one person who said, yeah, I'm I'm not a Christian, I haven't committed my life to him, but I want to, I know I need to. Father, I pray that even while I was speaking and even now while I'm praying, I pray that they're doing that. I pray that they are giving their life to your son, that they are receiving him as their savior and Lord and that they will fully, truly experience the resurrection life right now. And if there's anyone else that needs that, that didn't raise their hand, but, but is needing that and is, is doing that right now, Father, I just thank you for whatever work you're doing in hearts and in minds and in lives right now and going forward. We praise you for the reality of resurrection, all in Jesus' name. Amen.